It is time. Welcome to episode number 95 of the Mr. MMA Action Podcast. My name is Thomas and today is Monday the 19th of March 2018. In regards to this podcast, you can download all previous 94 episodes, including many fight companions on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud and on Stitcher. You can also check us out on Instagram at the Mr. MMA Action Podcast and on Twitter at Mr. Underscore MMA Action. Thank you guys for once again tuning in for what should be a fantastic episode. I am once again joined by a fantastic growing Australian mixed martial artist by the name of Caitlin Yuen. So sit back, crack a cold one, and enjoy today's episode. <laughs> Mr. MMA Action Podcast. As I said, my name is Thomas and I'm joined today, as I said, in our opener by Caitlin. Caitlin, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Fantastic. Thank you again for taking the time here and what should be. It's actually, what time's it over there in Canberra? Is it 12 o'clock, midday there? What's that, sorry? What time's it over there where you are? Is it midday, 12 o'clock? Oh, yeah, midday, yeah, yeah, 12 o'clock today. No, thank, well, again, thank you for taking the time to actually, you know, on what should be a, a busy Monday, uh, you know, for coming out and actually being on the show. So again, as I was saying just before we hit record, you know, we're really trying to get out there and, you know, chat to as many mixed martial artists who represent, you know, Australia and it's really about trying to grow the sport. And I would probably say within the last probably five to ten years, I reckon MMA in Australia has definitely grown. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, um, I definitely agree. So um, I um, started the sport quite young, so I guess um, I was sort of coming into it um, as it sort of taking off, um, both with... Um, you know, MMA and women's MMA in particular. Um, so, yeah, just um, coming into the sport and seeing how much it has grown over the past three years, which is when I first started three years ago, it's, um, it's incredible, you know, and um, how how well um, not only uh, the Australian fighters, but, you know, the female MMA fighters and, and everyone else and how much the sport, um, you know, has grown in comparison to, you know, three, five years ago. It's um, it's incredible and it, it's um, it's great because it, it is such um, an, an exceptional sport and, um, yeah, people are really starting to um, appreciate and, and respect um, the sport for what it is. Yeah, it's fantastic. You can definitely see, even with, like, the women's weight classes. Like, you think back when the UFC first introduced women's bantamweight, and that was the only yeah. women's division they were focusing on. And really, if you wanted to see women MMA, you had, you know, King of the Cage doing some stuff in the US, a little bit with some mixed divisions, and you had Strike Force. Yeah. You know, they had, you know, 145 and 135. And then you look at it now, and you've got, you know, women's strawweight, women's flyweight, you've got women's atomweight, you know, the stuff they're doing yeah. over in one championship and also in Victor. So there's, you know, women's MMA is definitely on the rise, and I think it's just all the these new, I think there's close to what, what six or seven weight classes coming out now, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, just started, um, like I said, um, watching and, and being more involved um, in the sport because I am I'm quite young. Um, but yeah, when I first started watching it, there was only Bantam, and then um, I started seeing um, people in the straw weight division and some excellent fighters come out of there. And now we've got the, um, the fly weights that, um, you know, one, two, five, and um, yeah, it's Great because it's you know slowly starting to expand, which is which is great because obviously in the UFC, um, you know when they only had the two weight classes, it was tricky for you know female fighters 
um, with the body type, such as um, Brett, you know, Zach Rawlings, and um, I think Paige Van Zandt as well, where they really did struggle to make 115. And now, because they've got the 125, people can comfortably go in, you know, make way, fight, and, you know, it doesn't do any sort of uh, dramatic damage to their bodies, and especially for women, because the hormonal um, issues that come out of, out of um, weight cuts, but, you know, men and women, but particularly women, um, you know, it, it, it's great to see that they've got a wide range of weight classes, not only because, you know, you can see such a, a wide variety of, um, you know, bouts now and, and talents um, and people coming in, but, you know, it's a lot safer now as well, which is, you know, really, really great to see. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. That's one of the things, like, you know, when we do have people on the show, we, I think weight cutting comes up quite a lot in terms of people where, you know, sometimes they fight at a weight class they were probably either too big or too small for. So having, yeah. you know, weight divisions that are right there in the center gives that person a chance to not cut too much or not, you know, not exactly. gain too much and they can go in not being dehydrated or going into a fight being really, really, you know, an uncomfortable way in and trying to rehydrate and next minute they're up there fighting and they, they don't fight to their full potential because their body yeah. hasn't, you know, recuperated from, you know, what has been a pretty hard weight cut. Yeah, absolutely, because um, my personal uh, personal experience, um, I fought at both bent weight and catch weight. So my catch weight, uh, my catch weight weight was um, 55 kilos, so my fluctuation with weight um, has been quite substantial over the past three years, and um, I was walking around one time at about 70 kilos, which was, you know, for my, my height and my build is actually quite heavy. And then I had to cut down to 55 kilos, um, which was quite tricky. And, yeah, it, it doesn't, it, it's just not healthy. And I, even though you get to lay in the day before and you get that 24-hour recovery time, you know, being, you know, quite young and, and still very inexperienced, I didn't really know um, how to recover properly from that and that was um, one of the hardest things I had to do was not only cut down but also recover so that my body, you know, was um, able to, you know, come back and, and um, still sort of, I guess, regulate the same way and, and to, um, to fight the same way because my, I remember when I cut down to 55, the next day I weighed in and I was 61 kilos. Mm. So I put on three kilos with water and the other three kilos was just food that just didn't pass through me. Yeah. So it was just, it, it was tricky, and then I had to fight um, that day as well. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, weight cuts for me are, you know, part of the sport, I understand, but you just hear so many, um, so many stories of, of people, you know, having their kidneys shut down or, you know, even, even dying because of how hard it is, you know. Um, so I guess it is, it is really good now that we have, you know, such a, a wide range of weight classes that now can all body types so that people, you know, don't have to put their body through that because it's just unnecessary. You're there to fight. You're not there to cut, you know, 10, 15, 20 kegs. So, yeah. No, that's great. No, that's, I think that's it's just the way to go. I know that there were yeah, there was been a couple of really bad injuries or literally on the day of fights being scrapped due to people not being yeah. able to recover. And I think, you know, the idea of, you know, new divisions, you know, thinking of it as long-term, you know, for a lot of fans, I think casual fans will see it as, oh, it's too many championships or too many... You know, for me as a purist who loves the sport, 
if an athlete mm. can go in healthy and that means more divisions and that's what it means like you look at boxing as well boxing's got so many weight classes you know you've got yeah. divisions within divisions you know you've got cruiserweight yeah. between light heavyweight and heavyweight then you've got you know the super divisions so you know i think they're needed to actually you know bring the the best athletes to it and if that means you know yeah. losing a couple of kilos or gaining a bit more then that's probably best for the yeah. sport yeah i agree and you know at the end of the day the fans just want to see So let's go back. So, we, so you're actually looking at your record. You see, you actually first, your very first fight took place in 2016. So this was 16th of April. So prior to that actual fight, where did the interest of MMA come for you? Was it, you know, did you do maybe a, a sport growing up? Was it jiu-jitsu or kickboxing? Or how did you kind of enter into the idea of going, you know what, I want to try and, do an, to try and actually do MMA? Yeah, so I, um, I um, started jiu-jitsu when I was um, 12 years old. So I graduated... Um, 2014, so that's when I just started to get to because my teacher um, actually did a class at school and I was, you know, I've always been prone to sort of contact sports, but I've never actually pursued anything that sort of contact before, so or, or at that level of contact, um, so I, as soon as I graduated, I decided to give you just a go. Um, and I did it at a gym that, um, you know, facilitated, um, you know, boxing, kickboxing and wrestling, um, and obviously MMA as well. So I started with Jiu-Jitsu, um, ended up competing at state and national levels and, and doing quite well, um, and just doing a bit of boxing and had a couple of exhibition boxing fights and just fell in love with it. And my Jiu-Jitsu coach, who's also my MMA coach, said, you know, why don't you give MMA a go? Um, and I kind of got chucked in the deep end quite, quite early on without having any any um, MMA fights um, and just going straight to pro because, um, you know, being a female MMA fighter, you can't really be too picky with that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I took my coach's advice and um, I, I put a lot of trust in my, in my coaches and my teammates and I knew that if they thought that I wasn't, ready for that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't do it, and they obviously thought I was, so I gave it a go, I won, and I just fell in love with it, because I was so, um, yeah, I was so drawn to, to the sport, and, and the fact that it was so therapeutic, which I guess is kind of funny, because it, you know, doesn't look therapeutic, but yeah, it, it is, and yeah, I haven't looked back since. 
No, fantastic. And that's the thing a lot of people say when I was talking to my partner the other day, and she said, oh, you know, it's so intense, the sport. You know, people just go in there and swing. And I said, for you watch, I said, you watch some of the guys, some of them are just smiling when they get in there because yeah. it's almost like the hard work's been done. You know, the, the lead-up, the media staff or all the interviews or all the weight cutting, the fact that they're in there, it's really just yeah. them now. It's their responsibility. It falls on them. It all ends with them because they're the ones actually throwing the kicks, throwing the punches and throwing the elbow. So it all ends up on them. So... I was trying to say to her that, you know, for sometimes the hardest thing is just getting there. And once they're there, oh, they feel that sense of, wow, absolutely. I've made it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you, with the process, you know, So again, yeah. So your very first fight, yeah, brace number thirty nine, and I've you know I've had a chance to interview a few different fighters who've actually fought for brace, and also had a, you know a chance to go and watch a lot of the brace shows that they have on UFC Fight Pass now, and see a lot of our you know Aussie talent, you know, do some great things there, and then go international. So what was it like prepping for that first fight? You know, going back there to you know April twenty sixteen. match looking at the actual deal it was 92 seconds of the uh yeah. of the first round yeah yeah 
So and that's another thing too, like looking at the record too. You've got lots of finishes on your on your pro record there. So looking at you know your, all your fights that took place in in uh, in twenty sixteen. So you know you can definitely see that you know even though you're saying that you started doing jujitsu you know earlier that you know your stand up seems to be you know very very powerful. Um, looking at you know you've got one first round finish and then two second round finishes. So who would you credit as you know one of your your great stand up coaches there? Oh, so one of my great stand up coaches um, is. Josh Tonner, so he trains um, out of Stockade um, in, in Canberra, and he's um, he's very very good at, at, at what he does. Um, he's very tough. Um, I, I tend to respond better to um, to people who have that sort of tough love sort of attitude, um, and people who don't sort of sugarcoat things for me. So he's he's one of them. And um, I guess um, when Dennis Roberts he's in America at the moment. Um, he was down here for, for a period of time as well, and I owe a lot of my um, my striking um, to him as well. So um, I've had a few um, a few coaches, um, you know, help me out, especially with my boxing, such as Gary Hamilton, who's um, also down here at the moment um, at Stockade, and, and he helps me out as well. So I yeah, I ask. Um, I have a, a I guess I owe my my striking to quite a few, but um, at this point in time, Josh Tonnay is um is my kickboxing coach, um, my striking coach, and yeah, I owe a fair fair deal of, of my striking experience to him. Fantastic. So yeah, so it was less than a month later. You actually had your second fight. So this was against Jess Street. This was at the Valor Fight Forty, and actually had a chance to go back and actually watch this fight last night. Um, so again, you know, this is yeah. So what was it like, you know, going from one fight and then bang you into another one less than a month later? Was that the plan, or did opponent fall through and then you jumped in, or was it you know you just wanted to get back in there? No, so that was the plan. So um, that that was because I felt quite. I, I felt like I had a moment. I had a lot of momentum. Um, you know, coming off my first fight, so um, I was um, just hoping to get some some experience in um, as well. So um, that had fight had been planned um, around the same time that the break fight had been planned. Um, but what was tricky about that is I had to drop. Um, I had to go down at a weight class and a half, so I had to fight at um, Bantam for the break fight, and then a month later I had to drop down to fifty five kilos. Um, and I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite stood out for someone my height, because so I found that very, very difficult. So the, um, the momentum and the, the, um, the skills um, translated really well. But what was tricky was my energy went from being quite, you know, substantial to barely existing at all. And by the end of that, uh, by fight week, and uh, I, I was really unwell. <laughs> to be completely honest, I just um. I was studying as well at the time. I had exams the week after and I was working and um, all I did was in, during that fight week was I'd come home and I'd just watch videos of food being made because I was so, um, I was so, felt so depleted and so hungry and, and so tired as well. But um, yeah, after that fight, I, I just sort of realised that I needed to be smarter with um my weight and, and, you know, um, focus on certain aspects of my training as well. And, um, yeah, I was, I was very happy to get the win, but I realised that I'm, I had quite a bit to work on before I, um, yeah, jumped into anything else um, at that weight. Oh, great. 
So then, yeah, so then you did have a bit of a gap. So it was just, yeah, just under six months. So you're getting back in here at brace number 45. So this was only uh, in November of 2016. So what was it like having that bit of a gap off? You know, you had the first two fights within, the, you know, the first, you know, 40 days of your career and bang, you've had a bit of a, a break now. What was it like taking a bit of a break? I know that you probably still would have been training and still doing everything there. But what was it like, you know, taking that time off and then going back into it for your third fight? It was good, but I, I, I really needed that, that sort of break, only because, um, again, being quite young and, um, I guess, impressionable as well, I sort of needed to work out what I, I really wanted. So, um, I, like I said, I was studying at the time and I was um, working a lot and um, I had um, some other things going on as well at the time that I needed to sort of um, take stock and, and sort of deal with as well. Um, so once I, you know, I was still training, but not at the, the intensity, um, yeah, that I had been for the other two. So I needed the first three months, um, to sort of deal with that. And once I sort of realised what I wanted and, and, um, focused on my priorities and, and, um, all that type of stuff, I just, you know, went straight back into it and, and had a really solid, um, training camp in preparation for that fight because it was, um, actually a rematch um the girl that i fought um earlier that year my first fight um wanted a rematch so i, I knew i needed to um work on things that i knew that she'd come out with um so i did that for that rematch um leading into the fight and interesting too, like, you know, you think of rematches, sometimes it happens, you know, a long time down the road or a year or two after the first initial meeting. This was only, you know, a fight in between. So it was, you know, you're both quite young in your career. I think she was going in with a one and one record and I think you were going, you know, two and oh. So, you know, both very young in your careers having this rematch very early on. So it was almost like it could be a possible trilogy, you know, if she was able to one up you and then possibly do it. But again, you know, you come out there strong in round two and got the finish. So, yeah, it looks like you had a bit of a, you know, 2017 was a bit of a year off there. So, your next yeah. upcoming fight, so this is the big one coming up for the Australian Fighting Championship. This is another great promotion. I think it's doing some fantastic stuff. I've had a chance to, you know, watch a lot of their shows and definitely keen to actually, you know, travel around and see some of the shows they're doing. Um, you know, being a hometown boy here in Melbourne, I've had a chance to see some of the stuff that Hex Fight does and when the UFC come down yeah. here. But I definitely know that, you know, the um, AFC is doing some great stuff. So, again, you're, coming, you're competing there in April, so for 20 2018 of this year so what's it been like you know taking that bit of a year off in 2017 and you know coming full forward now for only you know less than a month out from your fight um so the 2017 it was again one of those uh years where i needed to sort of 
up in terms of my training, but I, I did with my fighting because I knew that um, it, it's quite easy to get caught up in, in these fights and, um, you know, just go out there and not really get the experience that you needed. And, and I knew that because I'm, like I said, quite young, um, yeah, I needed to get some experience under my belt. So I actually competed um, in, in quite a large number of jiu-jitsu clans, so I competed um, in a few boxing fights, and I competed um, in um, what was it? In a kickboxing fight um, as well. So um, I got quite a bit of experience um, in the other disciplines, and and really took time to um, sort of bridge all the gaps um, with all, all three of them, with my striking, with my wrestling, with my with my ground game, um, and bridge the gaps between all three of them with my MMA. Um, so I, I was meant to have a few fights at the end of last year and they, they um, didn't end up going ahead. Um, I'm very firm on believing that things happen for a reason. So hopefully I get to um, really come out and, and show what I'm made of um, in April. I'm, I'm very excited for this fight. Um, I'm very excited to, to be on such an amazing promotion. I see like you said, I've done amazing work. So yeah, I'm just I'm really keen to get out there and just end this fight because I've been well that's the thing too i remember having a chat with a couple of fighters previously and they say it's almost like the fight camp never ends because it's like it's an ongoing thing you know you, you go and train you have the fight and then literally you might have a couple of days off and then you're right back in there again so it's almost like an, yeah. a never-ending but um you know you kind yeah. of use those experience and go you know what i'm going to go back and tweak this you know this in the fight you know i've got to work on my wrestling a bit more or you know work yeah. on my defense a bit more so You're craving getting back in there. So some people be like, oh, no, man, I hate getting in there. I hate getting kicked, hate getting elbowed. You're like, no, I want to get back in there. So. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But like I said, it's therapeutic. <laughs> no, know, fantastic. Um, 
and that's the thing too. Like I remember chatting to a couple of mates before, and they were saying, you know, yeah, you look at some of these guys that get in there and they just they go face to face at the weigh-ins, and it's so intense. And then the other side, a lot of them they shake hands, and there's a real respect there. So there's like a percentage of people that just want to go out there and swing and actually hurt the person, and then there's the other side going, well, actually, no, I want to prove that my ability is better but I want to yeah. test it and I think you can bring me that test. So, again, it's like people yeah. have different views. Or even when the sport, you know, you think back when the UFC was happening in the early 90s, it was a blood sport and it was, you know, you can't watch this. And then you look at how it's shifted now with the big Reebok deal and, you know, the mainstream TV, it's on Fox and, you know, you've got all these TV stations and all these media now wanting to follow it. Like Anthony, um, I had Alvis Stenisic on the show, you know, a couple of months ago and he was talking about when he was fighting there in the UFC, when he actually fought for the light heavyweight championship, he wanted to get some of the Sydney newspapers to cover his story and no one wanted to talk about it. You know, no one wanted to interview yeah. him about it. No one wanted to promote the story. It's a blood sport. We want nothing to do with it. But you think, you know, Robert Whittaker, we have now, you know, the middleweight champion, he's everywhere and he's on every, you know, mm. podcast or getting interviewed or he's in every paper. So you think about how the sport shifted. It's definitely getting a lot better name now because I think you're getting, you know, credible and reliable people in there that are coming in with that positive mindset of not going in yeah. and trying to inflict damage on the purpose of hurting someone. But again, proving that they are a better athlete. And that's what I think it comes down to is going there and being a technical athlete inside the cage. Oh, absolutely. It's not just about, you know, skill and that there's so much, um, it, it's like an art form, you know, you, you just go in there and you see how these people move and, and you see the strategy. It's like a game of chess, you know, it's just so incredible um, how these people can adapt to, you know, certain, um, you know, physical scenarios in, in um, you know, in the case of the ring, the boxing and kickboxing, it's just, it's just awesome, you know, but some... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the sport has come such a long way because, it, you know, it is violent. But at the end of the day, that's kind of where our, um, you know, our, our instincts sort of take us anyway, you know. And that's what I was saying before about, you know, being really raw is that, you know, you just kind of in there and it's like, you know, you, you just, you know, doing what, you know, you instinctively want to do a lot of the time. So, yeah, that's, um, I'm glad it's, it's come such a long way in comparison to where it used to be. Yeah, fantastic. So, you know, looking at, you know, yourself and your career now, you know, three fights down and, you know, uh, looking back, what what would you, if you had a chance to go back and, and talk to yourself, you know, back in that very first fight, you know, April 2016, what's some words of advice that you would give yourself knowing what you've gone through now around what your, the next three years of your life would be? What's some advice you would have given yourself? Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, self-doubt plays a very big role in the sport, especially when it comes to, you know, um, the fact that it, 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 it's, you know, you can go out there and you can get hurt. And that was one of the big barriers for me initially was going in there and, and getting hurt. I was terrified. <laughs> like, I was I was fresh 19-year-old. You know, I've never gotten into a fight before in a, you know, in a life um, where the potential to, to harm was, was quite large because I had stopped in fights, like I said. But, you know, if this is, was, you know, very different. So I guess I, I would give myself, you know, um, the advice of, you know, it, it, it will hurt, um, it will suck, um, but the payoff is unimaginable. Um, you know, keep going, your, your instincts are right, um, it will get better. So 
<laughs> no, fantastic. So just want to give a bit of a shout out to where you're currently training, just to you know, you know how people can chase you up on social media and things like that. Um, yeah, so I, um, I'm only just starting to, I guess, you know, try and make a, a bigger name for myself on social media, but, um, yeah, you, you can just find me, um, on caitlin.secuan on Instagram, um, you know, I'd like to, to thank all my coaches and, and my family, um, and everyone who supports me at, um, you know, at Decade, um, training centre down here in Canberra, if anyone, you know. Um, is looking for a place to train in Canberra, I need some training partners or, you know, just wants to catch up, you know, just come into the gym, ask for my name and, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, you know, uh, meet anyone who's interested in the sport. So, um, yeah, and, and thank you as well, Thomas. I really appreciate you getting me on the show and, um, yeah, and, and getting me to chat about this sort of stuff. I, um, no, well, fantastic. I was going to say, you know, thank you once again for taking the time out for you know, the last half an hour to have a chat, and we'll definitely be keen to have you come back on the show because that's what I always find when I interview someone. There's always so much more that we could talk about, so it's like uh, you know, <laughs> always keep the window open for you know, bring guests back. So, um, but no, once again, thank you for taking the time out today, and definitely keen to have you back on the show later on this year, and even post your next fight, and you know, have a bit of a chat about how that went, and you know, what's coming up for the remainder of 2018. Yeah, absolutely. I love to. Uh, love to be back. No worries. All right, guys, so this has been episode number 95 of the Mr. MMA Action Podcast. As I said, you can download all previous episodes on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Stitcher. Check us out on Instagram at the Mr. MMA Action Podcast and on Twitter at Mr. Underscore MMA Action. And as I say, each and every episode, enjoy life and enjoy the fights.